All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Catch Some Z's. Z here. Um, um, I'm going to start by apologizing for my inconsistency these past few weeks. Um, my episode episode schedule has just been kind of all off because I've been off and really trying to, you know, make up for the time that I spent away from, you know, the U.S. and work and just different responsibilities that to play catch up on. Um, but we're here, and so while this episode is coming at a unique time, it's here, and ideally things will get back on track. So I appreciate your patience if any of you have been trying to check me or call me out, which no one really has, so I guess I'm good. <laughs> so as promised, this episode is part two to my trip to Spain, but I guess this is the more educational version of things so the last episode was just kind of about my feelings and the experience itself whereas this one is going to be geared towards some of the things that I learned um, I saw some of the questions that I had and just things that, like around that nature so thank you for tuning in and I'm not going to waste any time I'm just going to jump right into it I finished or rather I just looked at some of my um my photos I've got 1300 pictures now on my camera album from mostly from Spain. Um, crazy. But uh, some of the things that struck me, I guess, were there were specific instances and then there were like overarching themes. So some of the overarching themes that we noticed very early on was, I guess, or one of them was the economy and how it operates. And so everywhere you went, you know, like I, I spoke about it probably before, and, you know, you could go out to eat or go get drinks and you go, you get drinks with tapas. And so you just like pay for the drink, but they'll send out plates of paella and I don't know, burgers and stuff for free. And you just end up paying for your drinks as opposed to paying for the entire meal. And that was like everywhere. And, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, how is that a sustainable business model? And you would think, you know, that how, how does a restaurant make money if, you know, during the lunch hour all people are paying for is drinks and not like actual food but because it's just so embedded in the culture going out to spend time with people like it's not oh let's go get drinks it's more so like i want to spend time with you but we're not going to do that at each other's home we're going to go do that over a cup of wine or something like that and quite literally everybody does it um so they've got a system that's working for them and i was very happy to be a part of it but we also got to speak with um, an importer and an exporter of olives and olive oil. And we spoke to some people who were um, edu or professors at the University of Granada. And they were talking about, you know, Spain's tourism and how they get a lot of money from tourism. But again, just overall, the country in and of itself, compared to the other European countries, tends to value itself like the least because you can go to Spain and get things for like super cheap Whereas if you go to like France or Italy or Germany, you're going to pay a little bit more for like the same quality of stuff. Um, you know, uh, Spain exports their olives to Italy to make olive oil. They export their grapes to Italy and France for wine. And that's, you know, a lot of the French and Italian wines and olive oils that we get, you know, come from, you know, the heart. They come from Spain. Um, but Spain doesn't really see that, I guess, that wealth. Um, that economic boom that the other countries do in regards to those things. Um, and what we learned was that, you know, this, the 20th century alone, there was 
the civil war in Spain happened. They had a dictatorship for a few decades. And, you know, they really didn't jump onto the modern scene of things like the way we see it now until like the 70s, 80s. And so they've had, you know, their own stuff going on. And prior to that, there were just, you know, different European issues going on in general. And so they kind of, you know, fell behind when it came to a lot of things. And I think about all the time, like when here in the U.S., when we learned about the Civil War, I always thought to myself, you know, what if we had a civil war that wasn't in the late 1800s? Like, what if we had one that was like post-1950? What would our geographical landscape look like as well as, you know, our culture? Like, what what things would be different? What things would, would change? And I think that's something that I and many Americans probably take for granted. You know, we hear about all these wars and stuff like that. And obviously America has like this superpower military industry like you know we all we all know that but um I just always think like uh, you know we see we see what happened with you know 9-11 even that's probably the most excuse me the most recent attack you know or not most recent but one of the most recent major attacks um that the country has seen and that was you know relatively small compared to you know bombs being dropped in different countries and things like that and so I just I find that well it's not something that we really think about you know and I think that if we ever had something as serious as you know mass bombings or an actual war that was held here on this terrestrial body like just how different things would be for us and what our perception would be abroad and what our perception would be here, like within, within the United States. So I was, I was thinking about that a lot. Um, once I learned about that aspect of the history. Um, and then I also started to think about, I guess, you know, well, we were the olive oil man. Um, we're going to call him Frank because I forget his name, but he was talking about how a lot of the farmers on the olive oil farms are immigrants, um, mostly undocumented immigrants as well. And, you know, I just didn't even consider, you know, with all of the, the discussion and the the news surrounding our immigration issues here in the U.S., I didn't even stop to consider that other countries have their own versions of immigration issues and so they've got a lot of Senegalese people and people from the Ukraine and people from Morocco and Uh, like some Swiss immigrants, just things like that. Like people from all over come and they end up working on the farms. And it's apparently a lot of women who work out there and the conditions are, you know, less than favorable, definitely. Um, But I just started thinking about all those people who come, you know, for them, Spain is that new world. Spain is their promise of a new and better life. And I, I just, I was like, okay, who who you know what what demographic is equivalent to the way people view mexicans over here or anyone from latin america really um you know who are we who spain racists against you know um i couldn't really get the answers to those questions just because we were all around a lot of um you know native spaniards who i'd like to say had a had some blinders on to some things <laughs> um there was a lot of talk about you know, historically there, oh, okay, okay, sorry, I'm jumping, I'm jumping, I'll get there in a minute, but I just, you know, I considered, I would rather I didn't consider immigration 
and you know the effects that it has on the Spanish economy and the effects that it has on the, the immigrants themselves and just the type of issues that people are going or people that okay the types of issues that people are experiencing over there versus what we've got going on over here um which now brings me to the next point um Spanish history the Spanish the creation of the Spanish country and um less about colonialism and more about I guess no yeah well I just just still overall you know western conquering of different nations in order to build their own you know the history that we have is the history that we have like as a as a globe right the western imperialism all of the stories of the people coming from Europe who wanted to explore new worlds and all these great things blah, 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 and all the implications that come with it and how different demographics had to be, unfortunately. Um, it was the success of the explorers came at the expense of others, usually black and brown people from all over. And that was interesting um, because we were in Spain. A lot of the places that we were at had direct ties to Christopher Columbus. And, you know, there were sites where it was like, oh, like, you know, and this is where he came and got the money from Queen Isabel. And, you know, King King Ferdinand and Queen Isabel married and joined their kingdoms together. And we got Spain. And, you know, every single building, like... I'm exaggerating, but only a little bit. Every building had, you know, a symbol for King Ferdinand, a symbol for Queen Isabel, and like either Jesus or the Virgin Mary, like on the front, and then also spread throughout the building. Um, and it was because, you know, what we were, at least we were told, was that when the two got married, one Isabel was like, you know, I'm your queen, but like we're equals, you know, so it's none of this, you've got more power than me thing. And then at the same time, they wanted, you know, religion to be the true power. So for them, it was like Christ, then us as far as, you know, power goes. So that's very evident in the architecture. That's very evident in the art. Um, and I, I'm a Christian. Um, not a Catholic though, and the country is a predominantly Catholic. No, the official religion is Catholicism of Spain. Um, but you know, there I found at least that there are a lot of like non-practicing Catholics. Um, there are pretty substantial Muslim and Jewish um, communities, and there are people who just you know don't practice religion at all. And I just I wondered, you know, what was it like? I guess seeing these symbols of religion like everywhere you go, every single building that you enter, you know, you're not you're not going to go without seeing Isabel and Ferdinand and the Virgin Mary. So, um and especially for a country that is very progressive as far as LGBTQ+ plus rights, you know, that that's kind of a those are kind of two very different different ideals to hold. So it was just interesting to me just to think about how people from those that demographic navigates in this type of society that, you know, puts Catholicism on the forefront. And 
again, a lot of it is just remnants of history. You know, these are super historical buildings that were built hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Like no one's about to tear them down. They hold historical significance. People are still, you know, using them. They're still very active. But I just, you know, thought about, you know, what what is it like seeing it everywhere like that? Because, again, America, you know, freedom of religion, but we, it's a Christian country. Like, this is not this is not like a hidden fact. Um, but at least in my experience, you know, you see crosses on like churches, obviously, or, you know, private schools that are extensions of said churches and things like that. Um, but like my local library doesn't have a cross on the front and like I don't know a picture of George Washington on it unless it's a George Washington library you know what I mean like there's just a lot of pride in the history which I think is beautiful but at the same time I just you know I I can imagine that there can be some conflict with people who are super patriotic for their country but also feel like some of those values don't you know align with who they are as individuals and so that was something I definitely thought about a lot and um it was just interesting, you know, and again, I have to remember that I'm visiting a country that has, you know, its existence is, is ex- it's, it's extensive. The existence is extensive. Um, I forget, or actually, I don't know exactly when the country was founded as Spain, but, it, you know, it had what, 15th century for Columbus in 1492. So at the very least, you know, at least the 1400s, you know what I mean? And even there was just, you know, a lot going on there that was similar to prior to, you know, Isabel and Ferdinand. There was, you know, the country was existing in a way that was similar to what happened after they came into power. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like with us, you know, we had the Native Americans going on and minding their business and then suddenly people from another nation came and started imposing their will you know for the most part it was like relatively the same with obviously some exceptions um so you know spain has that spain has that history whereas america has its own it's just definitely different you know i feel like ours is a little bit it's a little bit consistent a little bit inconsistent um whereas i feel like spain's was more consistent than it was inconsistent um, but again, like that, like I said, that was just something that I kept thinking about. Um, the roads were, you know, cobblestone and that that's not updated cobblestone. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what's been here, you know? Um, so things like that, it was just very interesting to see. Um, well, mostly in Granada, we had cobblestone roads, like in Malaga, it was a coastal town. It was more of a village. So, I mean, like you still had the cobblestones and stuff, but there was also some like pavement like regular sidewalks, cement sidewalks in different places. Oh, I miss it. Um, uh, something that was really powerful for me personally was um, when we visited Cordoba, we visited that mosque that was then taken over and converted into a cathedral. And by the time you hear this episode, there should be a picture up on the Instagram. Um, it was a beautiful thing and when I you know we got to the city and we saw like their their um the bridge that was really important um and the whole little town itself you know was just historical and then there so when you go to the mosque it's like a courtyard 
before you actually enter and the courtyard itself was really beautiful and they had different olive trees and different little water pathways to uh, water the trees that were made you know again all those hundreds of years ago when people were figuring out agriculture and irrigation in in its natural forms Um, and the mosque you know it was it was open to the public there there were there were some renovations that they were undergoing but you know it was just it was open and while I'm just reflecting on it now and it really was something special I don't know first of all I don't know that I've ever been to a mosque before um I feel like I would remember it but I I don't um but you know you walk in and as soon as I walked in because it was it was dark except for there were some windows there was supposed to be like this one main window slash door but that was one of the things that was under renovation because like when the light hits it like it literally shines through the entire place but um I walked in and I immediately started crying because it was so beautiful but then also again I was having that that internal I guess conversation about uh imperialism colonialism and just how there was such an immense history not just in spain but everywhere of just like one group of people taking over another group of people and that back and forth until like we kind of stopped doing it or at least we stopped doing it in that way but i was just again thinking of um the muslim population who came to cordoba and built that mosque to serve their purpose and how beautiful like just everything was and then eventually when Catholicism took over you know they took over that mosque and they converted it and so all of like the little different altars were now dedicated to different you know saints Jesus Mary you know just all but still all these very beautiful relics and I literally had tears in my eye the whole time I was shedding thug tears and I had kept my sunglasses on even though it was dark as you know I don't, I don't I don't like to cry publicly but um there were you know emblems on the floor emblems on the ceiling different rooms with like gold and just all these all these artifacts and it's like so historical and it's like you know people really like you know I I I, I think about how hundreds of years ago they were like real life human beings walking these same halls and serving a different purpose and like one day everything changed whether they knew it or not and you know now this is what it is and so it was still beautiful to see but then I was also conflicted because um my grandfather on my mom's side is a practicing Muslim and that's how my mom grew up until she converted to Christianity and I grew up a Christian but still have respect for you know the Muslim religion and you know acknowledge like the similarities and things like that and I just was thinking about like that that conflict of you know how they got from point A to point B in this particular instance and I just it just really had me messed up like I was really out here like walking around like wow this is beautiful but damn like man you know so it was it was interesting to say the least um and then when we left the mosque uh, we went, you had lunch, but we um went to one of the Jewish quarters that they had in that particular town. And I was a little bit upset just because, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was expecting like a little bit more. Like the Jewish quarter was quite literally like a courtyard and that was it. And it was like a synagogue and like it was just, it was just very much, very obviously like 
pushed to the corner, you know, not a lot of space. You had to get there through one of like the tighter streets. It was an alley, but there's streets over there. And I just kind of wanted to see a little bit more, but you know, that's, that's life, I guess. Um, but yeah, that had me stressed, not stressed, but it definitely got me thinking that whole trip to Cordoba, um, separately, they had these really bomb fried sunflower seeds that were like sweet. They were a hit. Um, we were walking through the streets and there was a field trip of students and they looked at one of my friends and like pointed because she had blue hair, but also cause she was black <laughs> and we were like the only two black people like there. So that was funny. Um, yeah. So I'm going to stop now. I'm going to take a break because I need to regroup and talk more about what I learned. So here's for a quick break. Okay, homies, I'm back. And I was, again, trying to recap everything in order, um, which I think I did. I kind of jumped around a little bit, but it's okay. You still appreciate me. So, um, when we visited Granada, I spoke to you guys last time about the Alhambra, um, and it was, you know, one of the palaces or series of palaces slash fortresses that, um, belonged to some of the royalty. Um, and it was again, another, another example of, uh, Muslim architecture that was then seized essentially by the Catholics after a certain point. And the Alhambra was really, um, I guess, powerful because for a few reasons, one, again, it was beautiful. And there are pictures up on the Instagram already. Um, you know, there were a lot of, uh, narrow corridors. There were a lot of water features, gardens, stuff like that. Um, but also like you could see like in, in some of the, um, just in different parts of the structure, (laughs) you could see like there's, there's Arabic written and, you know, you're, that's not going anywhere. You're not, you're not shaving it off. You're not getting rid of those stones. That's like, you're not, that's, that's here to stay. So it it very obviously, you know, holds the history from the different eras of its ownership. Essentially, there are parts of the building that have very intricate um, interior designs, like the walls, the ceilings are mosaic, they're ceramic, they're colorful, there's glass, you know, and then you can see where the uh, Christian influence then comes in because there's like literally one hallway where you go from like mosaics and everything on the wall to just bare. There's nothing. It's just mud and cement. Um, and just, you know, things like that. Again, the whole, the whole dichotomy kind of got to me, but again, it was, it was so beautiful and I couldn't, you know, it's, it, it is what it is, but it's definitely important to recognize those things and recognize the histories that all of us have, you know, regardless of if it's good or bad. And the Alhambra was in Granada. And so we also visited the university hospital in Granada. So there was a hospital and then the university of Granada came and they kind of like acquired it. But again, it's one of those buildings that has the history like on the inside and on the outside. So the literally the, the the front facade of the hospital in between the doors that you walk in on the left hand side there's an f for ferdinand 
the right hand side there's a Y for Isabel and then in the middle there's like a mini statue of the Virgin Mary and she's got the crown like on her head so the crown isn't on the king and queen it's on Mary just to again remind you like hey God first everything else later um and this was kind of this was this this tour was the one for me that I was kind of like all right there's a lot of Catholicism here like what is up and so the way it worked was you know the hospital has like the director so like they're like the president essentially um and so like there's this one room that that's where the director and different staff people will like have their their meetings and um you know a beautiful table and like all the big tall chairs and stuff um but in this room they've got paintings of all of the directors from history which was also interesting because one of the honestly one of the ones that i thought was pretty fine um he was only director for like three months because after he started like the civil war started and he was on i think like the liberal side and he got executed um you know immediately so especially because he like took a public stance and since he was the hospital director like he really shouldn't have he wasn't supposed to have you know quote unquote an opinion but he was very vocal about the side that he stood on and then so he was executed during the riots and the fights um and there was an interesting detail about that before i get into the rest of the painting it was it was a painting of him and i mean all the other ones but everyone had their own individual painting and everyone before him they looked like they were painted like in that room or you know somewhere like that where his painting was the backdrop was like outside and he kind of had like a slight a slight smile on his face like he looked just a little bit like welcoming and he looked you know he was one of the younger ones um and the painting was done i believe after his death so he never actually got to sit down for the official painting but you know the the message was that he was you know very open and essentially a free spirit so the artist wanted to reflect that in the fact that you know he was his backdrop was outdoors versus indoors so i thought that was really cool and then adjacent to him on the other wall was a painting of um the surgery of someone i forget like one of the princes or kings or something like that who was presumably poisoned by like his mistress or his wife i don't know and like she was reflected in the painting as you know super pale and stuff like that it was just just very dramatic um but on either side of the room right so the rooms are rectangles so directors are on one side of the long the long end across from them is the painting of the surgery and on the two shorter ends not kidding there was a floor-to-ceiling painting of the crucifixion of jesus christ which okay cool and then next to it was a itty bitty statue of the virgin mary directly across on the other wall was a floor-to-ceiling painting of the virgin mary and next to it was a itty bitty statue of the crucifixion of jesus christ and they were both like very beautiful paintings and they were a little bit more, you know, they were more on, they aired more on the graphic side, at least the, the crucifixion paintings. It was very much like, oh, yep, those are nails and that is blood dripping down his body. And yep, those thorns are poking his crown. You know, like it was very, it was artistic, but overall, I feel like it was the painting itself, like the artist might have been like a darker artist. Um, and even the Virgin Mary's picture, she, like she was... She was like floating in the sky 
and they were like supposed to be like three little angels or three children underneath her but it looked like she was stepping on babies heads like that's what i saw and at that point that's when i was like okay i walked in and i already saw the crucifixion and the virgin mary so do i need the exact same thing on the other end um so it was just very you know very in my face and that's coming from me who i I wear a cross with the crucifixion of jesus christ on my neck every day um but mine is subtle you know it's just a subtle reminder that jesus died for our sins and it's cute and it's gold like this stuff was like very much ah and it was like you know i could understand it being in separate rooms but like it was in the same the room was not that big like it's a big room but it wasn't that big you know but it's whatever i guess (laughs) um and then you know you just walk through the 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 halls of the building in different pillars there's a y there's an f for the nan isabella even though her name starts with an i we couldn't really understand that but i guess you know if you know you know um just things like that um separately though but still related some of the villages in granada were you know moorish villages before again before catholicism came and did its thing but you know they the villages themselves them, themselves um the city planners <laughs> they made them labyrinthic right because it was to evade just in case there was any type of foreign threat you know your enemy doesn't know where they're going if you know the the streets are winding and everything leads to an alley and you don't really know where you're going unless you know where you're going and a lot of the buildings were white because that was their style um and as we were walking through one of those villages um you know visiting the shops and stuff like that where these are also where a lot of the muslim populations um lived there was graffiti on the wall and i said isabella puta madre and it was like a stick figure of a woman in a skirt and a crown and that was like vandalism that i saw and um we were discussing it oh excuse me we were discussing it with our tour guide and some other people and we were like we wonder why you know isabella got the slander on this wall but like you don't really see a lot of ferdinand slander and the consensus was you know that out of between the two she seemed to be the more ruthless um and so people had beef with her but can i also attribute it to people just kind of hating women yeah i don't think that's a I don't think that's a stretch <laughs> um but i don't know i don't live there but it was interesting that i saw that in the moorish um village even though it's not you know you know the the mosque the actual muslim mosque was there it wasn't anything that was converted but you know people of all religions lived there so it was just interesting to see that just consider those types of implications and you know what's the real what's the real consensus with people out there um yeah and then, like I said, we went to the university and we got some, we took, we actually took like a class basically about tourism and the economic standing of Spain and how tourism affects the GDP. And that's when we got to talking about how, you know, a lot of people in Spain or just the country itself, the way the, the there's criticism that the people of the country don't, you know, work together as well as they could. They don't take pride in their country as well as the other European nations do. But a lot of that is attributed to the fact that up until very recently, the country was very, very divided and it had a physical implication and it had 
physical meaning geographic you know like there was a civil war you know so parts of the country were literally bombed and just in complete upheaval um and then there's the political implications that follow that you know there is just like us they have you know a far right and a far left and those people are butting heads like very publicly on the political stage and you know just the citizens they want more for themselves they think that they deserve more um one of the things i noted as far as the account account, i can't speak as far as the economics go is that you know when people say they're going to work for the day at least down in the in the the south end of spain like their full-time like career jobs are waiting tables or working at retail jobs and things like that like there was no in Granada, there was no real like business financial district. I asked, um, <laughs> and it was just like there was like this one main road that we were on, where a lot of the stores were and the restaurants, and that's where everyone was saying like that's if anything, that's where you're gonna find like you know people. Um, but I was like looking specifically for a financial or business district, but there was none. It's a city, like it's still it's not like rural or anything like that. It's still a city that has the shops, it has you know, traffic, cars, all that stuff. But I just, you know, when you go to um, the financial districts and even New York, or if you're in a city like Boston, you know, there's, there's always like at least, at least like two blocks or so. Like that's where, that's where the corporate people go to be corporate. Like they did not have that. Um, So that was also interesting. Everyone told me if you're looking for the financial district and the the men who make those monies, (laughs) you need to go to Madrid or Barcelona. And I was like, all right, noted. So that was also interesting, too. So it was since this university, University of Granada, is like the most popular and like highly ranked university in Spain and like one of the top universities in all of Europe. You know, you would think that. Well, I mean, well, just on American standards, you would think that there would be. Yes, it's a college town, but there's also you think there'd be a bustling like business center like not too far away but there it wasn't there's 60,000 students that attend that university um and they have like all the majors but you know they do get um it's not free college but it's damn near because our tour guide said he studied there and he his total cost for a four year education it was four or five or six years i think it was four was thirteen hundred dollars and we all laughed in student debt (laughs) mostly because the class that we were taking the trip with itself was thirteen hundred dollars not including the cost of the trip so yeah disgusting but you know it's each his own um but at the same time the unemployment rate in that region and kind of all of spain was like kind of ridiculous like some regions had so or rather some provinces had unemployment rates of like over 50 percent um whereas some had like less than 20 percent um but the thing is like you didn't see a lot of homeless people regardless of that Because, like, we visited a bunch of those different places, but there was, like, no one, like, on the streets. We did encounter this one man who was begging outside of a restaurant in, like, the bustling district that we were in. 
but again like he was like one of the um he was an actor essentially because everyone knew him he'd come up to you he starts crying and then you ignore him for a little bit and then he literally curses you out and walks away and like starts crying at a different group of people but like you just you you didn't see people on the street at nighttime like sleeping you know everyone had somewhere to go so just it was just really weird but you know not not bad weird just weird just different weird just to see how these people were living and making things work for themselves and the takeaway from that you know I I was able to speak to someone and I was like I love it like I want to come back and they're like yeah just come here you could live here for a month and like you'll be like a native and I was like oh yay but like you know the way I'm thinking now because I I guess have a conscience it's like sure I'd love to go out there and and be out there and like work out there but I don't want to feel like I'm getting preferential treatment like let's say I got a job right and I had the opportunity to move out there but if I was hired by like a Spanish company I would feel like I'm definitely taking that opportunity away from another comparable and competitive business student you know what I mean because it's already rough out there and Spain is operating more on a global scale now you know globalization is a thing but that's just how I feel because there's plenty of people like for college to be as cheap as it as it is plenty of people are studying a bunch of different things and it's not that there's like it's not necessarily an oversaturation of like talent because that's the whole point the whole point is everyone should be able to get a job if they want to everyone should be able to attend school if they want to but it's like i guess those specialty things um it gets competitive but it's not because oh well everyone's smart so no one's special but it's just more so the opportunities are limited you know um and i don't want to come at come up in there with you know my american self like hey well i want this too and i'm gonna take it like yes and no you know what i mean like yeah for the sake of me like oh yeah go out and get what you want but also like it's just difficult okay but you know do not <laughs> do not be surprised if you find me or if you're looking for me and i'm not around because i'm probably in spain um, definitely plan to find myself out there for a six to 18 month time period. Yeah. Love it. Um, but that's just kind of like my general reflection of the, the educational aspect of it all. Um, again, um, I don't, I forget if I had told you guys this or if I was like talking to my pals, but part of why my experience was so grand was because, you know, I went there ultimately to learn you know I was not trying to refer to it as vacation I mean like it it was but it wasn't it was still a learning experience and I oh my god I learned so much and there were definitely things I probably would have done differently if I if I could but you know I, I enjoyed myself so much and it was you know I was reflecting on it and I didn't have much of like an adjustment period as far as like eating times and being around the people who were speaking different languages like it it's it was what i expected you know also i don't have like a real eating schedule when i'm here at home so you know it, i wasn't thrown off because there was nothing to be thrown off of <laughs> as far as like eating at dinner at nine and lunch at you know after two and stuff so that was fine and then most of the people speaking spanish i was like okay well yeah i'm going to spain and you know it's not 
an American tourist destination. It's a European tourist destination. So the fact that, you know, you would hear French, you'd hear German, you would hear Dutch, you would hear English. You just never knew what you were going to get. And I loved it. Are you kidding me? I loved it so much. And thankfully, I have like a little bit of a foundation in Spanish. So I was I was definitely able to get by way more than I thought I would. Like the first day, for instance, our tour guide and our one friend was they were having a conversation and he was trying to describe licorice, but he couldn't think of the word. And he was asking her in Spanish, you know, like, you know, what's that thing? It's got like a kind of sweet but dry flavor, a kind of a rough texture. And I'm I'm hearing him and I was like, sounds like he's talking about licorice, but I'm not going to say anything like it's not my conversation. Plus, I don't know Spanish. And then he Googled it and he was like, oh, licorice. And I was like, see, you should have just said licorice. You knew what he was saying. And that was literally day one. So from then on, I was like, I'm going to butt myself into as many conversations as I can. And if I sound stupid, then I sound stupid. (sighs) And that's what I did. And I really, you know, I was out here acting up, y'all. So I I can say with 85% confidence that I am officially conversational in Spanish, but I think it's probably with an emphasis on <laughs> on the queen spanish and not um latin american spanish i mean it's it's the same and it's not but a lot of the the colloquialisms and stuff that i picked up are the queen spanish um so when i make my trip to like puerto rico i might get ridiculed but i also learn so it's okay but uh, yeah i i i enjoyed that so much i enjoyed just walking around the town learning it was a beautiful trip and I I went in you know I'm I'm not I see I went in not with the mentality of oh everything needs to be done for me no 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 you know I I was I was I was there to learn and I think that made my trip that much more smooth for me as well as more fulfilling because you know I'm I'm aware of that you know I'm taking another trip soon to a different country that speaks a different language and i have been brushing up on the two major languages that is spoken there that are spoken there because i'm not you know i'm not trying to be that person that requires a translator oh she's american like yes i am but i'm gonna be an american that tries you know i'm not gonna be american that just sits there and expects everything to be handed to me are you kidding me because i hate that when it's done here (laughs) in the u.s so how dare I go to any other country and, you know, expect that same? No, 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 no. So right now it's I'm fortunate because I kind of have control over the countries that I am going to. And it's countries that I either know a little bit of the language or I want to learn the language. So the immersion is going to help me with the learning and understanding aspect of it. But yeah, so that's my story, guys. That's my recap of my trip to Spain and the things that I learned. And what I will say is, okay, that's the ambulance. What I will say is, though, that the travel aspect of this summer is not done. So there'll be a whole nother segment, um, a whole nother period of me talking about my trip to another country and not stopping and ideally coming back pretty conversational in one to two more languages so i'll you know give you that information as it comes but yeah so thanks for listening 
you got any questions or you want to talk more about it, you know where to find me. Catch some Z's underscore on Instagram and catch some Z's on Twitter. Everything is open. Everything is public. I'm excited to make new friends. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in. Much love to you. Happy summer and try not to die in this heat. Later.